Welcome to Sermons from Silver Moon with Pastor Phil Barber of the Silver Moon Full Gospel Church. The Silver Moon Full Gospel Church is committed to preaching the Word of God and invites you to join them for Sunday morning worship at 10 a.m. and Wednesday night service at 6.30. Now, here's Pastor Phil Barber with today's message. Home sweet home. If you're a parent, you can imagine what this father thought while his son was away from home. Is he healthy? Is he eating right? Is he cold? Does he have clean clothes? Are his friends the right group of people? These are just questions parents ask themselves when their children are not home. You might even wonder, why hasn't he called or why hasn't he texted? We all know the boy ruined his life away from home, but the good news is the boy came home. His father saw him down the road, a broken boy, and his father wept in his heart ran to meet him and welcomed and blessed him. The prodigal story is a story that even Hollywood could not create. It is a beautiful story. And I'd like for us to read our text this morning. It's Luke 15, 20 through 25. Again, home sweet home. And he arose, he was at the, in the pig pen, and he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion, and ran, embraced him, and kissed him. We preached on that last week, verse 21. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate, for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. This is God's word for God's people. And all God's people said, thanks be to God. The first sermon we preached was sick of home. He, if you remember, he wanted his inheritance. He wanted his father uh, dead, basically what he was saying. He, and uh, he sold his inheritance and he left home. And the next two sermons, we t- had the t- these points, sick away from home. He fell into sin. And then he became homesick. He wanted to go back home. Last week, we preached simply the title home. And that's where the father saw him down the road and then ran to him and then uh, embraced him. He felt compassion for him, then ran to him and then embraced him and then kissed him. And today we want to talk about home sweet home. In the introduction, before we get into the message, there is this interruption as the father is kissing him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. If you remember back in the pig pen when the boy came to his senses, he started rehearsing his speech what he was going to tell his father. And what he said back then in that verse, verse 19, was, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. What he had been rehearsing is that old phrase plus this one, make me as one of your hired men. But before he could express that statement, his father interrupted him. This boy wanted to say this because his hope rested upon the mercy of his father. And he wanted to say the right thing in the right way. And it seemed very important to him. 
But before the son could get those words out or the entire speech out, his father cut him off. Apparently, the boy's humility and his return for his father was enough. The father wasn't looking for further conditions. He wasn't looking for promises made from him. And the father is more interested in blessing the son than the son making promises. Let me tell you something. God is more interested in blessing you than hearing what you want to do for him. And God is going to give him, the father's going to give him four gifts, which God gives you and me. And they're all meaningful. They're all important. And that's why we're going to take the time to look at them. A lot of times, and about everybody I read says there's three gifts in this story, but there's really four. And I hope that you'll see it as I go through it. The first gift was a new covering. Or simply, I should have just used the point, because the point's real simple. He gave him a new robe. But the father said to his slaves, quickly bring out the best robe and put it on him. Notice the word quickly. What the father wants to do is cover this boy's shame, his embarrassment. The father doesn't give the boy a chance to apologize. He preempts his son's speech by commanding the the servants to quickly go get a robe and to clothe this boy. This father cannot wait to give this son a new beginning and a new life, just as God cannot wait to give you and me a new beginning and a new life. What we call it, your pastor before me preached so much about it was he wanted to give to you, God wants to give to you and me abundant life. Abundant life, more than abundant life. And he wants, this is what this father wants to do with him. This desire for this father is so strong that he's impatient to get it going. He says, quickly, we got to get the best robe and put this on him. And notice, it's the best robe. It's a robe that's reserved for a distinguished guest. It's the best robe. It's a picture of honor. And it's called the first ranking uh, garment. In the, in the Greek, but let me tell you something. Every nobleman, every rich man had a choice robe and it would be expensive. It had ornaments on it, is embroidered, is one of a kind. It would flow to the floor as an outer garment and it would be recognized by its quality fabric and its craftsmanship. It was so special, listen to me. You all might have shirts, suits, clothes, shoes, something that is so special and unique to you that you only would wear it on special occasions. This robe would not even be worn to another person's wedding, to another person's celebration. This robe was reserved for this man's family's weddings or some special occasion in his home. He would not even wear it outside his home. It was, it was so special and unique that it was only worn at special celebrations. So this robe, his robe, his personal robe, he wants to get it and clothe his son to hide his dirt, shame, and his embarrassment. So that is not just covering his son, but when he gives him this robe, he is honoring his son. When God saves you and me, he covers us 
and he honors us. This boy will no longer be clothed in filth and shame. Now he will be recognizable by the family robe. He will be adorned in glory and in splendor. This boy was dressed up. Now listen to the crowd hearing this. They are shocked that the father would even dare do such a thing, that he would waste such a beautiful robe on this pig-feeding, immoral rebel. Now the application of this, in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve lived a carefree life, a life before sin. And they were completely naked. Now, I preached this long ago, and I I wish I thought of the verse, but in Psalms, uh, I believe 71, it tells us that they were dressed in light, which means they were dressed in glory. But they were stark naked, but they weren't, they had no shame because they had no understanding of right or wrong. They were not living up to anybody's expectation. They were just living as God had asked them to live. But once they committed sin, of not obeying God, just like we all do, they realized their nakedness and they covered themselves with leaves. And they even knew that the leaves did not hide their nakedness because when they heard God walking in the Garden of Eden, what did they do? They hid themselves. God saw their sin just as he sees our sin. But what did he do? He dressed them. He slew an animal and put a robe on them and gave them a great promise. This robe that this man gives to his son represents the salvation that Jesus Christ gives to you and me. The righteousness of Christ, it perfectly covers your sin and my sin. And because he closes with his righteousness, we are no longer subjects of shame or guilt. You know, it's funny, I did plenty of sin. I hate to confess, I've, I've probably, I'm going to say I probably, I've sinned since then. But I, as soon as I confess, as soon as I lay my past sins or present sins on the Lord, I have no shame or no guilt. I do not think about them. I do not worry about them. I do not talk about them to myself. I don't talk to them about other, to others because I'm forgiven. Because Jesus Christ is my Lord and is my Savior. Isaiah said, before he has clothed us, before he has clothed me with the garments of salvation, he has covered me with the robe of righteousness. When you come to the Lord Jesus Christ and give him your heart and life, God clothes, clothes you with a robe also. This God who suffered and grieved because we're away from him, but the, but the moment we come back to him, he gives us a robe of righteousness to show us that he wants to be good to us, he wants to be merciful to us, and he wants to give us grace. God wants to reveal to each and every one of us the richness of his glory and the goodness of his heart. The second gift that he gives is a new consciousness, a ring, which was a symbol of authority, Sonship, identity. This ring is a, thor- is a symbol of identity. And it is a signet ring, which means, and I tried to find the best one I could, is that when you put it in wax, and you put that wax on an important document, it's a seal which says, this is guaranteed by my name and who I am. And when God, when this father saved this son, he put him back in the place 
of sonship, of authority. Now think about that. Not a slave, not a servant, not a hired hand, but he put him back as a son with authority. And when we come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, it tells us in John 1, 12, that he gives us power, but the word there can be translated, the authority to become what? Sons of God. Now, not a one of us really deserve that blessing. Most of all, I would think if God really, if I got what I deserved, I would deserve to be God's slave, and I would probably deserve to be a slave to one of the angels in heaven. But God exalts us above the angels. He loves us so much that he makes us a co-heir, a joint heir with the Lord Jesus Christ. But because, and that's all because God loves you and me. It's not what we deserve. It's what God wants to do for all of us. Adam and Eve lost the first paradise. It probably was a beautiful place. But I'm going to tell you what. God's going to give the sons and daughters of Adam and Eve a new paradise. And it's going to be a paradise not on earth, but in heaven. When we come to Jesus Christ, we get a new identity. We don't sing. We sang, I'm no longer a slave. I'm a son. We don't sing. We're slaves. We sing, we are sons. We are children of God. We're no longer children of flesh and blood, but we are now children of God, sealed with the Holy Spirit unto the day of redemption. Let me read a verse. It'll, it'll be a little long, but I want you to see this. Verse 11. In him we have obtained an inheritance. The Father when he gave this boy his inheritance and you can look in verse 11 he gave the other boy his inheritance and we're going to look at the other boy so when the father gave the he sold it all and he gave away a third to the younger boy and two-thirds to the other but guess what he's doing he has given this boy more inheritance he wasted it all he blew it all got lost it all doesn't deserve anymore. This father loved this boy so much, he gave him a new share. That's how much God loves you and me. He's given us a new inheritance, a new paradise, a new home, a new heaven. In my father's house are many mansions. You can be trying. In my father's house there are many rooms. The old timers are saying, oh, just give me a, a cabin over in the corner of glory land. There's no cabins over in the, God doesn't want to give you a cabin over in the, cor <laughs> the corner of glory land. He wants to move you into the, his house. This boy's been given a ring, which means sonship, identity. You're a part of my family. That ring says, I, he belongs to me. He has my authority. He has my backing. He has my power. He's part of me. Oh, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed him, were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. Promise Holy Spirit. That's the seal. You and I have been sealed, which, guess what? I have the seal of the Holy Spirit. I'm not worried about any mark of the beast because I've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. 
I don't know what that looks like exactly, but I know it's not 666. I know it says, this is my child, this is my son, as it says that you're his son or you're his daughter, you've been sealed with the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance. That ring says that boy has been reestablished. He's been put back in the home, in the house, until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. The Holy Seal of the Holy Spirit means many things, and time doesn't allow me to tell you, but it tells you and I that we have the promise that God will give us everything, everything he has promised. 2 Corinthians 1, says, And he has identified us as his own by place in the Holy Spirit on our hearts as the first installment that guarantees everything he has promised us. You've been given a robe, and you've been given a ring. And the third gift is the new creation, the shoes, the sandals. Get shoes for the boy. These sandals for his feet honor this boy, and it restored him as an heir. Probably when this boy showed up, he was in bare feet. And bare feet indicate poverty and often slavery. In Ecuador, when we were at work, and I, it's funny how I noticed this. I think of the Kofan Indian ladies and their bare feet. I think of you ladies who have, I don't know how many pairs of shoes you have. You want to confess this morning and let us know. But, you know, when you think of ladies and shoes, it's just go together, right? There's never, you never have enough. You never have enough purses to go with them. But uh, those little ladies in the jungle, they didn't have it. And when you, if you want you, I want to tell you what it's like to live a lifetime barefooted. They're the ugliest feet you could ever see on anyone. And they just got bigger and thicker and tougher and wider. And the toes got big because they were always walking on dirt in the jungle and bare feet. Bare feet signifies poverty, being poor. And bare feet in this day not only signified poverty, but it signified slavery. And hired slaves usually went barefooted. It were the sons and the daughters of the wealthy who wore shoes. Sandals were a picture of sonship. Shoes are for the wealthy and the powerful. Shoes protected against snakes, rocks, and thorns. Shoes give strength and safety. Shoes turn people from hunt from being the hunted to the hunters. For poor people getting shoes was a benchmark passage from poverty to blessing. I don't tell people this, but the year that my mom and dad were separated and uh, I ended up wearing a pair of shoes that were old and, and embarrassing to wear. And I remember is my junior year, and I remember a couple of my friends calling them clodhoppers. Very difficult time that year. Wore uh, baseball shoes that were old that year. And uh, I think of that old African spiritual, and you've probably heard this. The African spirit slaves would sing this. All over God's, ch- all over God's children, all of God's children got shoes. When I get to heaven, I'm going to put on my shoes. And I'm going to walk 
all over God's heaven. When this boy gave this, when God, this father gave this boy shoes, he is making an emphatic statement. This boy is not some hired hand. This boy is not some slave. This boy is my son. Back in verse 15, when it says this boy joined himself to a citizen of that country, what I want you to understand is this boy made himself a slave to that Gentile pig owner. Remember, you could sell yourself into slavery under the law. You'd be free in the year of Jubilee. But people would sell themselves because they became so poor, so broke, and lost everything that they would join themselves to somebody. This boy had gone so low that not only did he not join himself to another Jew, he joined himself to a Gentile. He became that man's slave. And when people became slaves, you know what's one of the first things they did? They took away their shoes so they couldn't run away. And when you run it, when you are living without God, you are slaves to Satan, sin, and flesh. And there's no freedom when you're living in sin. That road only leads to death, which the Bible tells us, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. And you have no way to free yourself from the bondage of sin, the bondage of slavery. You have to just determine to get up and run away. Run away from Satan. Run away from sin. Run away from the flesh. And run towards God. As long as that boy was shoeless, he was still a slave. But he's running towards his father. And the same for you and me. When we run from God... We become enslaved, entangled in the things of this world. But when we run to God, he, become, he is righteous and becomes our righteous. We, be, we become his heir. What I'm, what I'm trying to say is this. When that father put shoes on that boy, he changed him from a slave to a son. That man came looking for a slave. He would not found a slave. He would have sound a son. When I tell you what, when you have shoes, there's no longer really a struggle. I'll tell you, I, I hated going barefoot when I was a kid. There's a picture of me with all the kids in the, in the neighborhood, and they're all barefoot one summer. And I'm in my shorts, and I got cowboy boots on. I hate it. I still, I, I don't want to walk on ground. I don't want to walk on rocks. I'll just sit down and you can go on. Just won't do it. But there's no struggle. There's no war of wills when you have no, no shame. There's no guilt. There's no inner turmoil. There's love without condemnation. You're not wearing clodhoppers. You're wearing the best God has. Those shoes I got on about, I put on that slide and I looked for them. Those are about $900 shoes. Looked it up. I said, I want an expensive pair of shoes to put on the picture. That's what God puts on best. He's not looking for a bargain. He's not looking for a sale. God's got enough money to buy everybody $900 shoes or whatever. Shoes are a sign of freedom. Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. And so this father dresses this boy in the signs of freedom. 
Thee is free, and we are free because we are children of God. God doesn't want you and me to be slaves of sin. He doesn't want us to be his hired servants, his hired people. He wants us to be his sons. He wants you to wear a robe of honor. He wants you to wear the ring of inheritance. He wants you to wear the footwear of prestige. What has happened in this boy's life is the kingdom of God has begun again. As I've said, at worst, we deserve to spend an eternity in hell separated from God, from holiness, from goodness and righteousness. At best, we should be no more than slaves of God and, and his angels. We should not really be God's children, but God's slaves. That's my thinking. But there's nothing about that in the Bible. Hallelujah. It's the Father's will that you and I become his children and his sons. And God has the right and the power to do whatever he wants. This crowd is listening to the story that Jesus is talking about. And they're thinking that somehow, someway, the Father needs to punish this boy. But the Father doesn't punish the boy. He blesses him. He loves him. God doesn't get, listen, this father doesn't give him a job. He gives him a place in the family. He's not working in the field with the other hard hands and with the slaves. He is over the slaves and the hard hands. And we are going to rule and reign with him in the future. Hallelujah. We are kings and priests. Hallelujah. We have royal blood flowing through our veins because Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior and God has accepted what he did on the cross and he's accepted our confession of faith and said, you are now a part of my family. Hallelujah. And you and I may think, I don't deserve it and we don't deserve it, but God isn't asking what you and I think just like he didn't, he didn't wait for that boy to get through his speech. We're not given an income or just something to get by with. We're given a share of everything that belongs to the family. We're not given a solution to a problem, but God has given us a life of perfection forever. This son doesn't come back to a diminished place, but he comes back to a prominent place. Hallelujah. In this kingdom, People are welcome if they'll come to know, accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. There are times you're going to feel like you don't deserve God's presence. But those are the times that you need God's presence the most, and God will be there. It's so important that you pray when you're struggling, even when you don't feel like it. Pray. It's important that you pray when you're struggling with an addiction. Because he is the God of the mountain, as we say, and God of the valley. What you and I are being taught in this parable is that the outcasts who, are, who have done despicable things can come back to God and are welcome back. Thank you for listening to Sermons from Silver Moon with Pastor Phil Barber. To find out more about today's message, you may contact the Silver Moon Full Gospel Church at 417-472-3360. The Silver Moon Full Gospel Church is located on Highway 59 North between Neosho and Diamond, Missouri. Morning worship is at 10 a.m. with a Wednesday night service at 6.30 p.m. The Silver Moon Full Gospel Church, where the distance is worth the difference.